0: Good morning and welcome to the broadcast of the First Baptist Church in Riverton, Kansas, where the mission is to serve the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're so glad you could join us today as our pastor, Aaron Williams, shares a timely message from God's word. At FBCR, there are several ministry opportunities that you can be a part of. These include the food pantry and commodity distribution, which provides assistance to those who are experiencing a food shortage in both our community and the four-state area. In addition, our worship Team, now known as Fire of FBCR, provides music each and every Sunday morning during the worship service. The team is growing and welcomes new talent as God provides. This includes either singing, playing a musical instrument, or being a part of our technical crew. And a third ministry opportunity involves the crisis team, which is available to provide assistance in case of a fire, flood, or any other unforeseen emergency. Please contact the church office for details on these ministry
1: opportunities. Now with today's message, here's Brother Aaron. Would you please turn to Matthew chapter 28. It's a very familiar text of scripture when it comes to the resurrection. And there are two simple points that I want to... Look out this morning. Again, Matthew chapter 28. We'll be reading verse 1 through 6 and then 19 and 20 of Matthew chapter 28. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher or the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said to the woman, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus that was crucified. He is not here he is risen, as he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. And I want to end right there. And then if you would just go to the end of this chapter and look at the last two verses, verse 19 and 20. Go you, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This may look simple, but there's a lot going on here. When it comes to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's never been a time in history where a single person, a man, has affected history the way that Jesus did. He affected the way we measure time. It's AD and BC. He affected not only the capital when it comes to politics, it was Rome. He affected not only the religious capital or the religious pinpoint, it was Jerusalem. This man, in his, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, demanded an answer from any person that was present. And you could begin to read the last two chapters of most four, of the four Gospels. And you'll begin to see the last of that. And it's amazing to me that this week, as I was just kind of bathing in this text of Scripture, not sure uh, what the Lord wanted me to preach. And I tease around with uh, some who are teaching in classes today. Uh, I never seem to get a message a week ahead of time or even uh, a day ahead of time at times. So I was actually at home getting ready for this service when the Lord shared with me the emphasis of this service. And God is able to do that. Every one of us, as we begin to look at this text, I just for a minute want to remind you of all that was taking place. Jesus, when they began to bring him into Jerusalem, you had a lot of the the people, the disciples, were laying down palm branches. They were worshiping Jesus, and others were mad about it, and they started saying, get them to stop doing this. And Jesus said to them, If they stop, the rocks on the ground are going to start praising me. And so there was something bigger than what we've seen going on that God was going to do. And he basically said, if you keep the mouths of the people who are worshiping me from doing this, God, my Father, will cause the rocks on the ground to sing. Now, I've never heard rocks sing. But I'll tell you, if God had to do that, he would cause the rocks on the ground to sing for the love and for the faithfulness he had to us in bringing him. He gets a bit farther, and you see the dispute. And Jesus is like a lamb taken to the slaughter. He doesn't say a lot. He keeps his mouth silent most of the time. And what happens is you've got Pilate railing on him, and and someone that says he can put him to death, and he doesn't hardly respond. And then you've got Herod that was a leader from Galilee. He comes after him, and Jesus just doesn't respond. And then you just keep going, and there's all these... he's, He's crucified with two thieves one on each side, and at one point in Mark, Matthew and Mark, it says both of these men were just railing on Jesus. He was the only one of the three who gave his life. I can assure you they had to hold every one of the other malfactors down. And then there's men like Simon of Cyrene. This guy is on his way possibly to Passover or just getting around the Passover event. Either one. He can't even get out of the way before he's got to take the cross of Jesus and march to Golgotha's hill. But then you have the disciples. What about those disciples? You know, the same disciples that seen Jesus walk on water. You know who I'm talking about. The same disciples that that he would begin to take a lad's lunch and give it to them and they would never quit giving it until four and five thousand people at a time would... Be fed with just a lad's lunch to start with. These are the same disciples that, when they come, Peter, with good intentions, is a follower of Jesus and said, "I'll go with you even unto death." But he denies him about the time the cock crows the third time. He did. He meant well. He just didn't have the strength to get it done. He had seen all of these wonderful things. He had literally watched Lazarus come from the tomb. I mean, can you imagine being with Jesus? I mean, put yourself today. You've come to Resurrection Sunday morning. And just put yourself there with these disciples following Jesus in Galilee, Jerusalem. I mean, they, the woman taken in adultery, they watched him. And when he came come in contact with someone we would just call a sinner, and she knew she was a sinner, she was guilty. Jesus didn't start beating her up religiously. He gave her grace and forgave her. And told her to go and sin no more. He changed her. She didn't leave the same way she came. And sometimes they say as Baptists, you know, well, I'm not sure you're supposed to be this loud. I don't think Jesus ever did any of those things like hold your hand up when you worship or say amen when you like what the preacher says. I don't think Baptists do that, preacher. After all, I don't think Jesus did that in the Scripture. No, maybe He didn't, but everybody Jesus touched did that. Everybody Jesus came in contact with came and left different than the way they came. And so these disciples get a bit farther, and they're not doing that great of a job when it comes to the cross. I mean, they've got their leader crucified, hanging, bleeding, being laughed at, mocked, spit upon. All of these things have happened to him. But these guys are not doing that well. Other than John that ends up taking his mother away, you can't find the disciples very present. And later it says, for fear of the Jews, they were off gathered together. I mean, can you imagine if you were following Jesus, and they just, uh, some Roman soldiers, literally, because I think it's easy to think of this as a story, but not see the reality of watching from a distance, and this same Jesus that spoke to the sea and it obeyed them, The same one who raised a 12-year-old girl from the dead, brought Lazarus from the tomb, helped the adulterous woman, multiplied fish and loaves and fed multitudes, who spoke and was transfigured. I mean, all of these things. Now they're looking and they've got him stretched out on a cross as a Roman soldier. holds. Somehow somebody had to hold the nail that pierced him and someone had to hit it. I don't know what that looks like, For all of these men, but this literally happened. This really happened. They took Jesus, and the Bible says he gave his life. So he didn't fight anyone. He didn't pull back. In fact, there were multitudes of angels that were reserved for him, and had he even peeped from the cross side of Golgotha's hill... God would have sent the rescue and come to help him. It would have been a mess. It would have been no good for us. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done, O God. And he had finished this struggle long before he got to the cross. He got in a garden called Gethsemane in a place of prayer and said, God, it's hard to do your will. Can I be honest with you this morning? There's going to be times the will of God's not easy. But we're going to have to wrestle with that and let God settle us in the place of prayer We're going to have to wrestle with him until he changes our walk and changes our thinking and then walk in the peace of God from that point on to say, I want to do whatever it is you've called me to do. And so here they are, nailing him to a cross, lifting him above the earth. He's still not saying much. He starts to communicate with a thief that they just thought was just a common thief. It's amazing his reaction to those who knew they were sinners. It's amazing his reaction to those who thought they were good because they just went to church. He loved to rebuke the church folk for just thinking they were okay because they went to church. And he loved to give grace to a sinner to show them he was the only way to eternal life. Because he knew one was humble and one was arrogant. And if anything, we've got to prevent while we serve in the church consistently is not becoming uh, any kind of arrogance or a fragrance that seems to lift our nose at those who have not come to the knowledge of the saving grace of Christ. And so what you have is you have this all everything's making a decision. Pilate made a decision, Herod made a decision, the religious leaders had to make a decision, and every time Pilate's trying to get Jesus out of this, his wife's even whispering in his ear things like, Don't have anything to do with this just man. Don't have anything to do with him. I mean, it's his wife. Have you ever had your wife I mean say something to you and she was right? And so here they were. And and, and it's amazing. Herod and Pilate end up making they were enemies. But they became friends by coming into this position with Christ. Amazing. But then you race forward after the death. Did you look at the intricacy of the death of Jesus Christ and his burial? It wasn't just happenstance. The reason that at three o'clock he was dead, and when they went to tell Pilate he's dead, Pilate was surprised. He was like, He's dead already? Because God needed to get him in the tomb on the first day so that by the third day, Scripture would be accurate and God could point to the third day, a day that we come today and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Scriptures. There's no accident. But they got him off the cross and where are the disciples? There's still no... Like, where are you guys? And you know who gets Jesus? Joseph of Arimathea is this rich guy. And it says that he went to Pilate. And in the King James, it says he begged the body of Jesus. But you know what it said about him? He was a disciple secretly. Man, I don't want that said about. I mean, it's good that he was a disciple. But I don't want to be a secret disciple of Jesus. I want to be a right out front, right in the middle of like, yes, Jesus is my Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. I want to be right out there. I don't want to be. But he was a secret disciple. And you know who helped him? A man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus come to Jesus by night. I don't know if it's because he didn't want anyone to see him come to church, come to the Messiah. But So you've got one man that's a secret disciple. You've got another man that came by night. Both of them are concerned with the burial of Jesus' body, and they get him over in the tomb. But there's this lady, and now I want to get to her, Mary Magdalene. She was from Magdala. That's Mary Magdalene. And all we know for sure in the Scripture, she had seven devils at one point, and Jesus cast them out of her. This is a very grateful woman. I don't know what her life looked like or what she actually did or didn't do or what was wrong or what was messed up. But when she came t- in contact with Christ, she didn't leave the same way she came either. And Jesus knew all it took was getting her to Him and she'd be forever different. This woman ministered with other women from Galilee. I'm just telling you what happened around you. Jesus was demanding a decision from everybody. Like you couldn't, whether you were a government, whether you were a religious leader, or a single person, when you come in contact with him, you would have to make a decision on where you stand. And I think that's what we do when we come together like this on Resurrection Day. We get this wonderful opportunity to make a decision on where we are with God. You see, there's Rabbis, and at one point Pilate says, Man, I can release this murderer to you. No, they said, Crucify him. So the murderer was set free. And Jesus was crucified in his place. But you see, all these people that I described, they're, they're people, they're not just them, they're us. Every one of these people, somebody in the pew today, every person, whether they look to politics as their hope, then you'll find out that's the struggle of Pilate and the other one. There. If you're a religious leader and maybe you think you've got your own terms, then there's that struggle. But I want to get to this woman, Mary, who comes to the tomb. Who is this lady that not only ministers to the, in His substance and helps and keeps coming? She was at the cross site. She was there at the burial time when they placed Him in the tomb and the, the rock was sealed. But now she's the first one there. There's not the disciples. There's a lady named Mary, Mary Magdalene. And she's at the cross site while it's still dark. Like, are you willing to have that kind of faith in Jesus? He's done so much in your life like he's done so much in her life that while it's yet dark, you're going to go right to him. He's the total answer. He's been on your mind all night long. I mean, all night and in the dark the next morning, even if the disciples, no one's there, I'm going, I'm going to anoint him. She had these spices and she just wanted to put them on the body of Jesus. She loved him. But then we read in the scriptures that when she gets there, the stones rolled away. She can't believe this. And it's amazing, but the angel ministers to her and said, he told you, now come and see. Come and see. Now this morning, I think we could minister and preach the gospel and and you're coming. But I don't want you to leave the same way you came. And at the end of the verse, you find out somewhere between coming to see and go you into all the world. Somewhere between come and go, God did something. There's something between our coming and our going that must be affected by this resurrected Savior. Now, some years ago, I was working. I, I frequented Neosho a great bit. And so my truck gets about 16 miles a gallon. And there was a convenience store. I, I just It's a place I like to go. And I knew that I'd get about 550 miles out of my vehicle. And I liked this convenience store called Come and Go. I just liked it. I mean, you know, if I was thirsty, I knew I would get what I want to drink there. Are you with me? I mean, if I... But I could calculate... Have you ever done this? You've calculated how far your car will go before you put gas in it. And have you ever been to where it's like, man, I think I'll make it 30 more miles, but the gas... I mean... The empty lights on and everything's happening. You know what I mean. So I would do that a lot of times. I, I just wanted to get there to that way I could fill up. I could get something to eat. I love the little snacks they had in there and the warmer. And are you with? But this place is a come and go, and I, and they normally had the cheapest price of gas. And they just did. I could pull my whole rig in. I mean, this is a one stop shop. It's like you could pull the whole rig in, stop, turn everything off. You know swipe your card get the truck filled up walk in you can boy you get something to eat you get something to drink and when you pulled out it's like you had everything you needed I mean this was I thought what a perfect name if I want to have a convenience store I think I want a name like come and go that way it's real simple see I mean you get to come you get to go but I, I mean when you get there what use would it be if I couldn't get my truck filled up with gas you know what I mean I mean, if I get there and I didn't like... But how often in our life... You know, you laugh about the wait till the light was on and the whole bit. How many times in our life do we wait until our spiritual tank is just right there with the light on? You know what I mean? It's like, well, I need to make it to the gas station and you know you need to get there, but you're running on empty. Do you know the signs in your life when you're starting to run on empty? I won't spell them out, but you know what I'm talking about. I mean, the times when you're concerned because right after empty is stop. Like, there's nothing happening after this. Are you with me? I mean, after the light comes on yellow, if you keep going without doing anything about it, there's nothing going to happen after that. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you went on empty and just kept going like it's going to be okay, and all of a sudden, it's not okay? Have you ever been in the vehicle and so thirsty, you can't wait to get there and get something to drink? And what if you got there and there was nothing to drink? What a sad day. But how often do we get on a day like this and before the cross, the burial, the resurrection, and then we find out the resurrection is not just a story. That this was actually an angel sitting on a rock saying, come and see the place where the Lord lays. And that you could actually drive up, come into the church or open your Bible and find out that God wants you also to be a come and go. He wants to get you the place where you can come and go. The problem is that we don't want to leave and go the same way we came. And none of the disciples had power to go until they had first come to see the tomb where he laid that God actually raised Christ from the dead. But what's the difference between coming and having the power to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? I mean, what needs to happen to our life between the coming to see that the resurrection is true and hearing the preaching that the resurrection is true and then going out to make disciples? You see, the problem in American church today is not that we're not coming to church. The problem is we've come to church, but maybe we're not learning how to get powered up to go anywhere. And if our gas tank gets too low, what happens? We don't go make disciples. And so we're always trying to, in in the thing of trying to get people to come... But the power of Christianity was he was going to multiply this and when he began to send the Holy Spirit to those disciples it was going to cause such a fire in their engine if you will. They were going to be so full of something that had such an octane to it that you would never stop these men and women. I mean once they got a hold of this coming and see deal and the Holy Spirit gripped them and they're baptized in the Holy Ghost all these things happen. Do you realize you couldn't do anything with them that they weren't preaching Jesus Christ of Nazareth raised from the dead. And so how different can our life look when we get in a situation where we've come but we're not going with that kind of power the world's not waiting to see how often and how many we can get to come they're wondering how many times we can come and get enough power that we can go somewhere with it and after all if we make this practical we can't wait as fathers mothers friends to just our tank to run completely out spiritually there are symptoms when you're running out of gas it's a lot of and jerk driving And you're pulling off to the side of the road. And I'm not asking you this morning to come and see so that you just get a gallon of gas to get a little few miles down the road. I'm asking you to come and see where the body of the Lord laid and put your faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that when you put your foot on the gas spiritually next time, your life gets just where God wants you to be. That your family gets just where God wants them to be. And that you don't run out of octane. And the fact of the matter is, when you get out there, you can then send somebody back to get what you've got, knowing that we were, we were made to go with what we've got. We were made to get out there. And how often have we thirst, got thirsty in our life? I don't mean literally thirsty, but thirsty spiritually. and said, I am so thirsty, I have tried everything. Maybe you've tried it on your job, you've tried it in your life, you've tried it in your family. But this is the only come and go where God can do something in your life that will fill your tank and fill your thirst so you never thirst again the way you're thirsty today. And the resurrection of Christ is not just a story. It's a reality. The reality and the truth of the resurrection is not fancy preaching. The reality of the resurrection is that we could come and leave different, just like everyone who ever come in contact with Jesus Christ had left different than when they came. Your hope today is not built upon denominations or preachers. Your hope is built upon the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. What I know for sure is if you will come to him, he will allow you a strength to go in his name. The problem is we're not trying to go in our own, right? Have we learned that our own way won't work? That my ways are not the Lord's ways? Have you ever tried to quit doing something and said, I just don't have the strength to quit doing it? Have you ever wondered you got in a situation you felt really guilty and you said, I wonder if God would even help me here? I mean, really? I think that's the reality of coming to a morning like this. And I know, you know, sometimes you visit on resurrection morning, you think, you know, I'm just wanting to come in respect to an Easter holiday. But God has more in mind for every one of us here than that. As I close, I'd like to tell you that there were two men, one on each side of Jesus Christ. They were both called common thieves, malefactors. Jesus was crucified in the center of two thieves. And it's amazing that in the two gospels I mentioned to you earlier that at one time both of these men railed on Jesus. That meant both of them were mocking or doing something that railed on Christ. But today I want to encourage you that both of these men would not leave the same way they came. One would. And one would not leave the same. One came and left. One came and went. And God began to have this exchange. The one guy on this side of the cross said, Lord, if you be... And there's always this question in us like, if God... See, that's not the faith that God's asking us today. This man on this side dying, they were all three dying a death. They were all three bleeding on a cross. As far as you would know if you didn't know the middleman, they were all thieves. This is how they killed thieves. They wouldn't give them a quick death. For a thief, a malefactor, you get the worst we can give you. That's what the world did with a crucified man. And then they'd break their legs at the end. The soldiers, that's why you read reading the scriptures, the legs of Jesus were not broken because the scriptures said they would not be. But it was common that the soldiers would go up and beat on the legs of the, the men on the cross. Why? So that you couldn't hold yourself up with your legs to breathe. And the weight of your body would go down and your breath would be taken from you. It was a miserable death. But in your dying moment, what would you say if you were one of these three? I would probably try to say something to somebody that I wronged. I would hope they're there, and if I'd stole from them, or whatever I'd done, I would scream it from the cross, forgive me, I'm sorry that I hurt your family. I don't know if they'd be able to take watching a soldier crush my legs as I took my fight. I don't know, I, don't, I wasn't there. But this is what literally happened. This man said, if you are, not you are, if you are the Son of God, help yourself and us. In other words, I just need enough gas in my tank to get off this cross and then I'll be about my own business. I've seen plenty of people do it. Not you are the son. If you are. I just need a little bit of help right now. My gas tank's low. Jesus never said a word. Stretched on the cross, he's dying also. And then you've got a man on this side. And at one point it amazes me that they were both railing on Christ and now you have a change in the Scripture, something happens. And this man must have pushed up with his legs just enough to get a breath, leans over not to talk to Jesus, but to say to that other buddy of his, we've received the due reward of our deeds. In other words, like, we robbed the place. We deserve what we're getting. But then he says something that's amazing. But this man's done nothing amiss. Where was this thief? I want to know. Did he see him touch a child and tell them that this is the kind of faith that it takes to enter the kingdom? I don't know. Did this thief that others wrote off and just give him the worst death they could give, what happened and what did he see? Oh, the man in the middle was not a thief also. What did he see that causes him on his dying breath not to speak to those that he's wronged, but to speak to his friend who is wrong? And then to turn to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, how do you know he was Lord? Lord, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? He knows the man in the middle is a Lord, That he's got a kingdom? Will you remember me? Will you think of me? Are you kidding? Was this man going to put all his faith in the fact that the man in the middle would get into eternity in the expanse of all the angels and all that was there that would never end? And then say to him, would you just pause for a moment and give a thought to the thief? No. This man said, would you remember me? Because I'm a broken man. I need put back together. Remember me. I'm out of gas. I've come and never went differently. But I don't want to leave this cross the same way I came. And as I give you an invitation today, I tell you that Jesus Christ, who wouldn't respond to Pilate and others as they spit and mocked on him, turned himself to the thief on the cross and he said these words. And I say these words to you as you visit this church in the hope of the resurrection of Christ, he said, today, will you be with me in paradise? This is a man who had come and will not leave the same way that he came. He was the come and see. He was the one that God could minister to and say, go in a way that I will give you strength to go. And it's only by the cross, by the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus that our life will find its way out of the dark places.
0: Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. If you have a prayer request or any other need, we would love to hear from you. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 400, Riverton, Kansas 66770. Or call us at 620-848-3347. You may find us on Facebook and online at rivertonfbc.com. Our Sunday school classes begin at 945 a.m. with worship services at 1045 a.m a.m. In addition, small group Bible studies meet on Sunday nights in various homes within the community. Please join us on Wednesday nights for a community wide meal at 6, followed by Bible study for all ages at 7. The church is located at 6895 Southeast Bluebird Lane, just two blocks north of the Riverton Quick Stop, or one block south of Community Bank and Trust, and one block west. This is Downtown Keith Brown, inviting you to join us again next Sunday morning at 8:30 for another experience exciting message from God's word. Have a great week and God bless.